This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is the Hockey News Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Hockey News Podcast. I'm Steve Nellis. Joining me, as always, Ryan Kenny. Ryan, how you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? Good. We just got back from the Stanley Cup Final last week. That was awesome. Uh, what did you think of that experience? You know, all around, I would say it was uh, pretty elite as a Stanley Cup Final. You mm-hmm. had two excellent teams that really had to sort of feel each other out and, and try to impose their strategies on each other. Obviously, the Colorado Avalanche uh, won out, but I thought Tampa Bay put up an amazing fight. Mm-hmm. And both arenas, I think the fans were incredible. Um, you know, in Colorado, that was one of the loudest buildings yes. I had heard uh, when they won. But then you go to Tampa, uh, where it's a slightly bigger mm-hmm. capacity, and that was pretty consistently loud uh, just in general because you had so many people that were so into it. And then, of course, you know, in Colorado, you had all the small things yep. uh, with Blink-182, and that was – uh, that great moment that I, I, for me, game one was the best time they did it because it was the first and it felt like that crowd in particular was really into it, but it was just so fun every time they did it. It was special for Colorado because they hadn't been there in so long. Yeah. Um, and uh, some of the players were like barely alive at that point when the, when they played there. But uh, yeah, the crowd was awesome in Colorado. And I think both crowds kind of had their, their advantages. Tampa, mm. I think the presentation of everything was really cool. Um, you look at... Um, the, the song that they had, like the, the raps performance at the beginning. Right, right. Which, on its own, uh, when, when I, without the crowd kind of going nuts for it when they played before the periods, I didn't like it as much. But mm. I felt like with the crowd, it was really cool. Yeah. Um, and the whole presentation with the lightning and everything and getting like uh, the, the service members and everything to kind of mm. get involved, I thought that was cool. Yeah. But I would say my fair part was not the on-ice action. It was the food. Because the food, it seemed like every time we – every media meal was great. The, yeah, yeah. They, uh, they always go all out for the Stanley Cup final. And, uh, yeah, this was no uh, exception. I still go by those, uh, those ribs from the very first media meal in Denver. But there were some fantastic mm-hmm. other candidates along the way. They, see, I really like the, the chicken tenders we had in uh, Tampa. Oh, yeah. That was good really too. good. Um, the spicy fajitas. You missed that, but that was, those were really good. Mm. Uh, what else was really good? The, the Reese's cake. Yes, that was intense. That was, you need like three of them. Because you know no. you're never going to get them again. You need like half a slice. No. Yeah. You need lots. Yes. They were really good. But yeah, no. They were amazing. They, 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 were, they were sugary. Yes, they were. <laughs> you uh, you probably want to go for a long walk after that. But no, exactly. the food was good. Uh, shout out to Slice Works also. Really good pizza. Yes. And uh, if you want to hear the travel stories, listen to um, the Staffograph podcast. Mike Stevens listen, lists everything. That was nice. kind of fun. Um, not as much fun as you'd hope. Um, but we are here to talk about the draft because we're also going to that. Uh, probably yes. by the time many of you guys listen up, we will be there in Montreal. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's tomorrow. Uh, this is, for me, my first draft in person. Uh, for you, it's obviously it's a return from a few years. That's right. Uh, how excited are you to get back to the draft floor? Very much so. Um, you know, the draft is such a unique event, and it, it's really evolved over the years mm-hmm. where it's become sort of a second trade deadline. Yes. 
And the fact that it's in person for the first time since Vancouver in 2019, yeah. um, <laughs> I think that's really going to accelerate things, especially with the flat cap, especially with a lot of teams that have new GMs, uh, you know, new coaches, which might mean new strategies. Um, you know, you have everybody in the same building. You have them at the tables. They can just walk over and say, hey, you know, we're dangling this guy. What can you give me? And it's like, we're looking to move up in the draft. We're looking to move down. So I anticipate a lot of action going on, um, not only with the picks and, and how that shakes out, but also with trades and acquisitions where I think we could see a lot of movement. And uh, yeah, it's just going to be fun. I'm, I'm really anticipating, uh, you know, what will the level of chaos be in mm -hmm. terms of the names we see moved, what the picks are and in what order. Um, you know, if certain teams try to make a splash with multiple first round picks, uh, it's going to be fascinating. See, there's always talk, well, the, the team that picks first trade their first overall pick. Well, the Montreal Canadiens are doing it at home. So, no, I do not expect that to happen. And, and, and Kent Hughes was kind of like, well, you know, we'll, we'll look at trades and stuff, but it's kind of like you'll, you'll look at trades like I look at craft dinner, which is not at all. Uh, you're, you're not doing it. So craft uh, dinner sucks. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't expect that pick to be traded. But, man, can you, like that, they sold that out for day one a long time ago, mm -hmm. especially when they realized Shane Wright. Yeah. Could be going to Montreal Canadiens. Indeed. So we're going to talk about the top prospects in this draft. And yes. obviously, make sure you check out Draft Preview. Uh, it's going to be uh, something where even when the draft's over, you're going to want to read it to A, see where the players we picked where to go. Yeah. But also, this is interesting stuff down the line. And I still look back at the old draft previews to see kind of what was said. I was going to say, honestly, like Draft Preview and Future Watch are two of the additions that I am constantly looking back to and saying, like, okay, what did we say about this guy? And it's like, what's this guy, you know? what does he bring to the table and you know what was he like back then it's it's just sort of this resource that at least for me personally it sort of keeps on giving uh even when the draft is is completed thn.com slash free check it out and uh, you'll also that. find a lot of new stores uh, if you go to pearson airport i know there's a lot of them there there you go uh, and i know a lot of people are traveling to uh, montreal for the draft so uh anyways let's talk about the guy we expect to go number one shane wright what's it like about him well, I, for me, Shane Wright is like a ready-made NHL player, amazing two-way center. And, you know, if you're drafting really high and you're rebuilding, chances are you need centers. Uh, Shane Wright is a very smart player. He's not super flashy. I mean, we've seen him do things like that, especially at the top prospects game with that uh, initial goal, um, you know, in the first period. But, you know, he's a competitive kid, you know, he lost a year of development when the OHL didn't play a season during the pandemic, and yet he was still a top 10 scorer in the OHL this season. There is room to grow, but you're working off such a great base that you know I could see him contributing to a lineup right away. And again, because he is that kind of all-around player, if you had to play him in the middle six to begin with, that's fine. He will work his way up to being a potential number one center. And I think that's the great thing is you know what you're getting in Shane, right? You're getting an NHLer for the next 15 years and one you can rely on. You're right, Slavkovsky. And that's an interesting one because a lot of people are wondering, could he go number one? This is a guy that... I don't know, maybe we weren't talking about him necessarily even being top three the first half of the year. And then kind of from the Olympics on, it's like, whoa, okay. 
Yeah, I mean, such a fascinating player because his international resume has been amazing. You know, the Olympics MVP, and then, you know, he had a great world championship. You look at the size, you know, you look at his ability to get his shot off, and he, he kind of established a little Slavkovsky office at the Olympics. <laughs> yeah. uh, the goalies, you know, I mean, it wasn't, wasn't the best competition, but... He was still, like, 17, hunting <laughs> Exactly, so. he was still a teenager. Um, and, you know, you look at his game, he's got some snarl, and, you know, as a power forward, there's so much potential there. And, you know, it's interesting because his numbers were just kind of okay playing in Finland for TPS. Like, you look at Joachim Kamel, uh, his numbers were a, a lot better uh, locally, if you will. But with Slavkovsky, obviously, you know, with the six foot four, 225 pound frame, you know, you look at what he can do on the ice, it's very tantalizing because he has so many tools. And, you know, I, for me, it's just a matter of, you know, how quickly can he put it all together? Um, and make an impact in the NHL. Does he need maybe one year, either back in Europe or, or even in the AHL, where you know, he would be eligible, um, and then you pop him in? It's probably going to depend on the team that picks him, but it will be inter- interesting to see where he plays next year. He's someone where I'd be okay if he, if he took an extra year to come to the NHL, um, but this is someone who definitely physically could handle playing in oh, the yeah. NHL right away. Oh, yeah. Six foot four. So yeah. he's got a good uh, frame for there. Logan Cooley, U.S. National Development prospect. Uh, guy that we were talking about. It, could he be the true challenger for Shane Wright? But uh, now it seems like eh, maybe the consensus has fallen. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I still think that the, the ceiling for Logan Cooley is very high. Yes. Um, you know, he really drove the bus for the NTDP this season. You know, the guys that played with him tended to elevate their games mm-hmm. because they were his line mate. He's already fast. Scouts think he'll get faster. You know, they think there's another pop in his skating as he gets stronger. You know, he's going the NCAA route, going to the University of Minnesota. So, you know, he's going to have a good cast surrounding him with the Gophers. That always helps. Mm -hmm. But for me, more importantly, is with that college schedule, you get plenty of time in the weight room. And even if it's just one year that Cooley plays at Minnesota, I think it's going to be a great development year for him where physically he can uh, really get himself up to the next level. But also, you look at that Gophers team, and, you know, they made the Frozen Four this past season, didn't quite have enough to get to the final, but they still have some really nice pieces. And and Cooley comes in. I wonder if we see him on a line with, like, Matthew Nice, the Mm -hmm. Toronto Maple Leafs prospect and power forward. Um, I think the Gophers will be super competitive, and they should be shooting for – another long run, and obviously for Cooley, that would be great for his development as well. Simon Nemec, that's the one where if we're looking at Slovakian prospects, I think maybe six, seven months ago, maybe he's the one everyone's talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are your thoughts on him? Well, you know, he's going to vie to be the first defenseman taken in this draft. It feels like it's basically him and David Juracek. Uh, with Simone Nemec, you know, you're getting an all-round player, very steady, but also has that offensive capability to make a difference on the blue line. We certainly saw that in the Slovakian League playoffs where he just went off with HK Nitra. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, a, a stunning performance. And, you know, he was on that Olympic team with Slavkovsky. He did not play as much as Slavkovsky. No. Uh, I don't think he even got a shift in the final game. But 
again, for a teenager and a defenseman to make an Olympic team, it's pretty impressive to have that level of trust. So you got a mobile puck mover who can quarterback a power play, you know, doesn't have a ton of size, but he's not undersized by any stretch of the imagination. So very exciting player. And again, I think it's going to be a team choice, whether he's first or you're a check, but I'd be happy with either. Speaking of Yerchuk, David Yerchuk, uh, this is a guy that had a serious knee injury at the World Juniors, uh, which kind of maybe hurt his full season. But uh, I'd still say someone who a team's going to be very excited about. Him. For sure. And, you know, the great thing was he, you know, he did come back from that mm-hmm. injury and, and play after. And there was already enough of a, uh, a book on Yerchuk that scouts weren't concerned. They knew what they were getting. You know, you got a big guy with a cannon of a shot. Uh, you know, rugged, you know, brings more of a physical dimension to the game than Nemich. Um, not necessarily as smooth a skater as Nemich. Uh, but again, you know, you're looking at a different kind of profile um, with Juracek. And, you know, I wonder, just kind of thinking out loud, a trend we've kind of seen recently, it sort of started last year, is Teams are looking for playoff-style defensemen. So, you know, it's great to have those mobile puck movers. Everyone needs them. We saw it with Colorado. But teams are also thinking, okay, well, where do you get those sort of burly stopper guys that teams like St. Louis and and Tampa Bay had to to augment the the skill guys? So I wonder, you know, if a team looks at Juracek and says, that's a big boy there. And, you know, he does have the shot, but he does have the rugged play as well he might be a nice little fit in our lineup because we're thinking about, you know, going for it in a couple of years. Uh, If you guys want to see kind of the, the, comparables i should say for these players make sure you check out the the magazine because it's got comparables on all these players uh let's go to joachim kamel mm-hmm. uh the finnish player who's the comparison for him is uh patrick line and in terms of shooting and scoring i could see it yeah totally obviously he doesn't have the size of line um but what we saw with kamel is a, basically a his, an historic start to his league a season as a teenager he was one of the top scorers in the league and then unfortunately he got injured and, you know, after that, it was uh, a lot harder for him to produce, obviously trying to get his rhythm back, trying to get up to top speed. But the thing that scouts like about Kamel is even when he wasn't scoring, he was doing other things. You know, he could kill penalties. He was ultra competitive out there. So it's nice to see that kind of spirit and fire in a guy that can really score goals so you're getting offense Mm -hmm. but you're also getting a guy that's going to give you 100 percent every time he's out there and there's something to say about that especially for a teenager who's just at the beginning of his career connor geeky and this is a guy with some fantastic hockey hair and obviously his brother morgan geeky uh what's like about him well you know i might have connor geeky a little higher than most but i always say that when it comes to the top 10 of the nhl draft Big centers are coveted and smaller players tend to get pushed down a bit when the picks actually come. Will that happen this year? Who knows? But I'm just sort of going off what consistently happens. And as I like to point out, even Cole Caulfield, the winger, was not a top 10 pick. Mm-hmm. And we know that he had top 10 skill. So Connor Geeky kind of benefits from the fact that he's already six foot four and more than 200 pounds. Um, playing on a really great Winnipeg Ice team, he had uh, very good numbers. But I would say that, you know, there's still a lot of potential to unlock there. Uh, 
skating's pretty good. I know some people aren't into it, but the scouts I talked to didn't seem to have a problem with it. You're getting a big rig here. And I, I think, you know, he's still sort of long on potential and we'll probably see a big bump in his numbers next season. Um, but again, it's that potential, that frame, uh, the scoring power. You know, he kind of rounded out where he was more of a play, you know, more of a playmaker this season than he had been in the past. Uh, so he's not as one one dimensional as he was at the sort of the beginning of his junior career. And yeah, again, big centers that make the world go round. It's uh, speaking of skating, uh, Jason Robertson. He was a guy who had some pretty poor skating in his yeah. draft year. That is something that can be improved with NHL coaching. And that's Certainly the thing. Can. A lot of these these deficiencies you see on players, get them with some NHL coaches, get them with, with some high-quality prospects and other teammates. Yeah. That will start to sort itself out. Braden Point's another one, right? And, you know, it's the Barb Underhills of the world, the Don Braids that you, you send these kids to mm-hmm. and say, listen to these people. They're the experts. They will make you NHL stars. Speaking of Braden Point, he's a guy that, at least in the last couple of years, he's been a very popular comparison player. Yes. Matt Savoy. He apparently his comparison is Braden Point. Exactly. And it's kind of funny. It's like Braden Point's always the comparison because he's like the only small center in the NHL. That's like at and he's pretty level. And he's pretty good at it. And he's pretty good at it. Yeah. So we need more Braden Points so that we're not always comparing people to Braden Point. Uh, but Matt Savoy, you know, teammate of Connor Geekies and sort of what I was alluding to earlier, you know, he's only five foot nine. So you know, he has the skill, you know, we talked about him even sort of last year, maybe he's like a top three guy mm-hmm. and it's slid a little bit again, because you know, the size, you know, he didn't really grow much. Um, but what you're getting is an ultra skilled player who has a fantastic battle level. Uh, he can make plays and you know, he can put up a ton of points. So, you know, you're getting a proven entity who was amazing for Winnipeg this year in the WHL it's, it's not even a gamble. It's just going against what has happened in the past where if, if Savoy went like fifth or sixth, I would not blink an eye. Yes. Because he's an amazing talent and we know that players with smaller frames can succeed in today's NHL mm-hmm. uh, because they can be elusive. Yep. And, um, you know, if they're quick, then no problem. So Savoy has all the tools. He's just a little smaller. And I wonder if that's going to ding him in terms of when he goes, but in terms of talent, whichever team takes him is going to be very happy. He's a guy that we were talking about as like a potential top three pick, like, for sure, like a year or two ago. So he's he's someone who's got so much promise, and that's not necessarily a knock of why he's falling down. It's just there's just a lot of good depth in this draft, totally. So, and I think that's a key thing this year. You know, there's a lot of people saying, "Oh, it's not going to be as strong as when you get Bedard, Amichka off, and stuff like that." But yeah. this is a draft that's got a ton of depth, more than I think maybe we thought. Yeah, and I think that top tier has expanded. Yes. Quite a bit since the beginning. Um, and, and so that's that's part of it there, yeah. All right, Cutter Gauthier, one of the best names in the draft. Indeed. And speaking of that top tier expanding, Cutter Gauthier is a player that I would say in the last sort of quarter of the season and even after the season really jumped up boards. So, the U18s was great. Yeah. And so we have him at number nine in draft preview, but I wouldn't be surprised if he went like even like top five. The main thing here is that Cutter Gauthier started the season as a left winger. When Logan Cooley went to Team USA's World Junior Squad, Gauthier moved over to center for the NTDP and looked awesome. And then, so what we're hearing at the end of the year is Boston College, where he's going to play next year, they see him as their number one center next year. NHL teams see him as a center. So all of a sudden, you have a six foot three kid who kills penalties, 
has a wicked shot that beats goalies clean, and he's a center. So that is huge. And, you know, we talked about that with Connor Geeky. Um, NHL teams love their big centers. They do. And if you're looking at Cutter Gauthier, you know, he's going to a Hockey East program where he's going to face really good competition right off the hop. He's going to have a prominent role, and he has all this potential. Um, you know, he's a strong kid. He's a big kid. Like I say, he's got the wicked shot. There's a lot to like here. All right. Uh, his teammate, Ryan Chesley, he's not the most, uh, the, not, not the flashiest defenseman, and that's definitely mentioned here. And the best case here is Ryan McDonough, which he was just traded. Uh, he's a valuable player. Yeah. Um, but uh, what do people need to know about Chesley? Well, and, and again, this is a player that I have uh, a lot higher than a lot of people do. But every time I talked to a team about Ryan Chesley, you could hear the enthusiasm in the scouts' voices. And a lot, you know, a lot compared him to Ryan McDonough, where Here's a player that can do whatever you need him to do. Uh, you know, he's a solid kid. You know, he could give you points, but for the most part, he has been that stopper. He has been that facilitator. Um, you know, he has been that sort of minute muncher. He's another player going to the University of Minnesota next year. Uh, so again, he's going to be in a great situation to develop. But I just feel like he's the kind of guy that, teams look at and say we can use him for the next decade plus and never have to worry about his contributions on the ice so i i think that there's going to be a team that steps up because they're so enamored with him so this is when we start to get into the points where player pronunciations that i haven't had to say out loud even if i follow these guys for a few years yes and that is with jonathan leckermackie leckermackie okay i was close yeah yeah ironically it's probably jonathan (laughs) <laughs> because there are, there are no hard J's in Europe. Uh, so I just default now. So let's call him Jonathan Lekeri Mackey. You know, another player that has really helped his draft stock during the season. Uh, I mean, he was just wicked all around. Uh, great goal scorer. And, you know, this is the kind of kid that he had a, a monster world under 18s for Sweden. Very. Uh, you know, they ended up winning gold, which... Ironically, the Swedes haven't done much traditionally. They've been better recently, but they, they used to have a lot of problems at the under-18s. But LaCarrie Mackey was on that big line uh, with Ogren and Ostland. And, yeah, this is a player where, you know, like if you're looking for talent and you're in that sort of 10 to 15 range, maybe even kind of 8 or 9. Like if you crack the top 10, I wouldn't be super uh, surprised because there's a lot of talent there and we've already seen growth in his game. Um you know, throughout the season. Denton Matichuk. Excuse me. Yeah, so we're starting to get into more sort of offensively inclined defensemen here. And uh, so Denton Matichuk, uh playing for the Moose Jaw Warriors. You know, Moose Jaw has been a really great development program in the WHL for years now, where we just consistently see them churn out high-end players, a lot of them being defensemen as well. So Matichuk. Uh, he's kind of the latest, one of the highest scoring defensemen in the WHL this season. Uh, I thought he was great at the top prospects game. Uh, very smart kid. He's got some bite. Uh, you know, he can do a lot for you. You know, he can move pucks. So I think there's sort of a cluster of defensemen that we're going to see all sort of in this range. And it's going to really depend on team choice. But I think Matejchuk's really going to be in that range for sure. Another defenseman, uh, Kevin Korczynski uh, from Seattle. Yeah, and this is another perfect example of a player in that cluster where Kevin Korczynski, uh, I would say very similar in potential to Denton Matejchuk. 
Uh, Korczynski, I think he had basically an assist per game this year or close to it, which is pretty stunning uh, for the Seattle Thunderbirds. He's got a little more size than Denton Matejchuk, you know, coming in at six foot two. Um, and you know what? This is a kid that still kind of raw. The numbers are probably going to get even better offensively mm-hmm. next season. So, um, you know, a lot of potential there an elite skater already. And we know obviously in the NHL, you know, guys like Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes uh, sort of ruling the roost right now because they are such amazing skaters. Kevin Korczynski, obviously that's one of his strengths as well. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of teams taking a long look at Korczynski and saying, okay, is this a player that we like in that 10 to 15 range? Next up, Frank Nazar, who I believe he's the third, correct, Nazar? I believe so. So uh, yes. we need to start referring to the players as a third. In the that's team. right. We don't have many juniors in the NHL. We need to start doing it kind of like, like NASCAR does. But that's also the only thing that does it because they're just – that's what the South does. But we got to call him the third. There you go. Frank Nazar, the third. Yes. Uh, tremendous motor, great speed, a uh, bit of a smaller frame. So this is a player that, you know, we have him 14 – I've seen him sort of in the 15 to 20 range in, in, in other rankings. Um, but yeah, I mean, fantastic year with the NTDP, uh, you know, really sort of held his own there and, you know, he can play physical, he can play on special teams, even though he's not the biggest guy, but he has that battle level in him. So you like to see that because he will get stronger. He's a university of Michigan commit. We know how well the Wolverines have recruited in the past few years. And what's pretty exciting now is so many of them left for the NHL uh, after losing in the Mm -hmm. Frozen Four that there are spots. I mean, there's a ton of kids coming in, but there are spots for guys to make an impact right away next year. And Nazar, you know, coming from the NTDP where they play against college teams as well as USHL competition, um, I think he's going to be pretty uniquely uh, ready for that challenge as a freshman. Uh, one of my favorite prospects in the draft, uh, we have him ranked number 15, Marco Casper from Austria. And this is a guy who played the World Juniors, didn't really, it was kind of a quiet tournament for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, this is someone who I think, you know, could be someone, he's very important for hockey's future in Austria. And yeah. Austria is starting mm-hmm. to have kind of this nice little thing where a couple of really good prospects are coming in and he's one of the key pieces. For sure. And, you know, talking to scouts about that World Juniors, they were like, look, Austria didn't touch the puck in two games. No. <laughs> they were severely outgunned there. It's not Casper's fault. Uh, but he did play the World Championship at the end of the year for Austria. And uh, I thought he made a, a better impact there where the you know the playing field was a little more level for the Austrians yes. versus other competitions. Which is funny given how many teams there were, but that's kind of also part of the reason why. Exactly, yeah. So he got more puck touches there. Um it's very interesting. I, you know, I think Casper could also probably go top 10. It feels like his name is trending up. And you know, when you look at him, he's got pretty decent size. Uh, good two-way guy. He can give you offense. Uh, physical as well. I remember mm-hmm. we were talking mm-hmm. to uh, Leon Bischel, the, the Swiss defenseman, and at the draft combine, and he was saying Marco Casper was pretty hard to play against this year. Uh, so you always like to hear that from your peers. But yeah, something pretty nice going on in Austria right now. And I think Marco Casper is going to be one of those centers that are very coveted. So if he goes a bit earlier, if he even goes top 10, don't be surprised because he has that profile that really fits. All right. Owen Pickering, we have him at number 16, and he's another guy that check out the hockeynews.com. Got a story about him coming up shortly, um, a couple of days from now. But he's someone I, I've become a big fan of this year. 
Yeah, because there's so much raw potential, right? Like you look at this kid, six foot five, 180 pounds, um, you know, pretty raw, but the skating is awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, he interviewed with all 32 NHL teams at the combine. So that'll give you a sense of what the interest level and is. And that's why he was so happy the whole time he was doing his interview. He was the happiest guy. Why there. not, right? Yeah. Um, you know, like a lot of these players, he was a multi-sport kid uh, coming up. And, you know, playing on a Swift Current team that had a lot of young talent, he got lots of opportunity, but what I'm excited to see is next year when the Broncos are as a group older, more experienced and, you know, more cohesive. I think Owen Pickering is going to be a huge part of Swift Current's success, you know, coming out from the back end and using all those skills that he has. Uh, so I think he's in a pretty good situation there. And I think a lot of NHL teams are looking at him and saying, okay, you know, we, we see the future product, might take another couple of years, but there's an exciting package there. Jimmy Stuggerud, one of the best names also in the draft. I think, I think maybe the best that we've seen so far, I want to say. That sounds about right. Oh, but Cutter Gocha. Him and Cutter Gocha. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, Jimmy Stuggerud comes from a big hockey family. Um, you know, his dad was Dave Stuggerud, uh, who played in the NHL. Luke Stuggerud uh, is his cousin. He was a Chicago Blackhawks prospect. Uh, Jimmy Snugrood, one of the most improved players on the NTDP year over year. And when you talk to people with that program, they loved how much work he put in last summer to elevate his game from his U17 season to his U18 season. And again, you love to see that growth. Um, you know, he's got good size, six foot two, 185 pounds right now. Uh, you know, still pretty raw. Uh, but the skating is really improved, so you like to see that. Uh, the numbers were pretty solid for him, more than a point per game. Uh, and again, you know, playing that NTDP schedule, you're playing against college teams, playing internationally, playing USHL. Um, you know, he's headed to the University of Minnesota. So again, he's going to have time to get in that weight room. Uh, again, maybe he plays with Logan Cooley on the mm -hmm. line, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe they have a little NTDP connection there. But great situation, and yeah, a player where you probably see him play college for at least two, three seasons. Um, but then once he's done there, you're getting a pretty exciting winger. So this one's interesting, number 18, because there's a talk of so much this year of the Russian factor, more than ever, because of everything going on. But Pavel Minyukov, and I'm... Minyukov, sure. Yes. Uh, he's, already, he's already been playing here. Yeah, yeah. So he did lose his uh, last season due to COVID, but this year he came over and he's he played. So we don't necessarily have to worry about him necessarily going back. Maybe he stays right. in the OHL type thing. Um, if that's the case, uh, that's good news for whoever drafts him. But what do you like about him? Well, you know, Minchikov took on a lot of responsibility with OHL Saginaw this year. And the Spirit, you know, they were not a great team. Uh, they ended up winning the draft lottery. Yep. So that was sort of give you an idea of how the season went. And, you know, at times he kind of tried to do too much, but scouts could see it's like, okay, well, that's the situation he's in. Um, you know, I kind of see like an Ivan Provorov kind of player here where he's a two-way guy. Uh, he can definitely provide you with offense, but he does have a nice balanced skill set. So I, I think it definitely works in his favor that he came over to play for Saginaw. Uh, and it sounds like, you know, just talking to teammates, you know, the fact that he was left off the World Junior Squad last year, um, that put a chip on his shoulder where mm -hmm. he wanted to sort of prove that the Russians wrong. 
And, um, you know, now it doesn't really matter because uh, they're not playing internationally. <laughs> but for Minshukov, you know, he's got that fire in him. And, you know, he's got a great projectable frame, 6'2", 190 already. And he does a lot out there. So I think he's going to be a very fascinating player to watch. And, and I would say, you know, of all the Russians in the draft, he would be obviously the safest. Now there's Daniel Yurov, mm-hmm. who probably could be a top 10 pick. But, of course, the Russian factor changes things a bit. Yeah, and this is where things get really interesting is, you know, a player that has top 10 skill, um, but such an X factor because he's over there. We don't know what the future of Russian players coming over to the NHL or even North America will be. Or even if the players, the Russian NHLers that are currently contracted are over there, they're going to come back. Exactly. We just saw, unfortunately, a situation with the Flyers. Exactly, exactly. So... There's obviously going to be some caution. Maybe there are teams that say, hey, we're willing to take the risk because we see a big, heavy, powerful player uh, that can provide a lot of offense that we've already seen internationally in the past uh, where he has been a great producer. And, you know, this year sort of bounced between levels. Couldn't really get much of a dent in the KHL, but he was kind of too good for the junior level. Uh, but when he was in the junior level, you know, he dominated, showed off a lot of great skills. This is a tremendous offensive player. Uh, just hard to say when he's going to go. One In the scouting report here, it says, he's too good for the MHL, but not quite ready to have the same impact in the KHL, but I don't see any risk with this guy. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you can tell what he's going to be. Now, of course, the risk is, can you get him over here? Yes, that is going to be a challenge. Uh, we're going to wrap it up after 20 players here. And uh, Liam Ogren is number 20, the Swedish player. This is interesting because there's some really good players after that. You look at Brad Lambert, you look at Bischel, you look yep. at Gordy, that's Coward. But Liam Ogren, number 20. Yeah, Liam Ogren, another one of those Swedish players that did really well at the World Under-18s. And, you know, you look at the profile where, you know, he's well-built, he's got a heavy shot, uh, he can make plays. He can go up and down the wing. Uh, he's got compete level. You know, I think the question is, what's his ceiling? Is he a top line winger? Is he more of a middle six guy? That will be the decision that will have to be made on the draft floor by whichever team takes him is what do they see as a ceiling? Obviously this year, you know, fantastic in the junior league, basically two points a game with Jurgen. Mm-hmm. Uh, played 25 games with the senior team. Only at two points. So again, you're you know you're looking at a player that still needs some time to develop, but it's very exciting in terms of what he brings to the ice. It's just a matter of where do you see him in five years? Is he on your top line? Is he on your second line? Is he even on your third line? All right. So make sure to check out again draft preview. Uh, it's gonna be good even after the draft. There's a lot of good stories here that are not even like super time sensitive either. So make sure to check it out all the draft previews, and uh, we'll be sharing a lot of this stuff kind of during the actual draft uh, day. Looking forward to that. That's it for our top 20 players. Mm -hmm. Let's take some uh, reader questions. Uh, The first one comes from Reed Simpson. Your most memorable draft weekend experience. Okay, so I would say that the very first one I covered uh, was in uh, 2008, the Stephen Stamkos draft. Yep. And it was in Ottawa. So, I mean, that was fun because it was the first one. And there was it felt like there was great access to Stamkos. It was very personable. It was fun to talk to him. But also, I ran into Daniel Alfredson uh, sort of in the bowels of the arena. And obviously, he was there because Ottawa was hosting. And this is when they drafted Eric Carlson. 
And I said, hey, so I said, hey, Daniel, uh, so the Senators just drafted this kid out of Frolunda. You played for Frolunda. Do you know him? And he was like, never heard of him. (laughs) Not that he would. It's not like Daniel Alfredson was a scout at the time. Uh, But it was just kind of funny that, you know, in five years, Eric Carlson would be indispensable to the Senators. I would also mention two others. Uh, 2011 in Minnesota, when we were having the official media lunch, that's when the Mike Richards and Jeff Carter trades broke. Oh, terrible time for that trade up. <laughs> you had literally had like 80% of the media in one room and everybody's phones started blowing up. And, and you just heard everyone going, Mike Richards, Jeff Carter, Mike Richards. Like everybody was just like, oh my God. And it was just like a mad scramble. And then I would also say 2017, uh, when the Devils took Nico Heischer, we didn't know if they were going to take Nolan Patrick or Nico yeah. Heischer. And when it was actually announced, it was like, wow. They actually did it. They went with Heischer. Turned out to be the right decision. But that was fun because we really didn't know what was going to happen. That 2017 draft, I uh, it's funny. I think I remember where I was on all those draft days. In 2017, I was watching Jamaica play uh, out at uh, Scotiabank Pond in Toronto. Nice. Uh, and then in 2008, I was on a houseboat and I was reading the draft preview and listening to it on the radio. Beauty. I don't know how. Actually, I don't know. Was it radio? I don't know. We were listening to it somehow, but I don't know if they put the draft on the radio. It seems kind of obscure, but... Uh, yeah, anyways. Uh, and Don Thompson asks, who's one prospect you truly believe in that nobody else likes as much as you? Well, you know, we mentioned this in the top 20. For me, it's Ryan Chesley. Uh, oh, yeah. I just think he's he's so solid and he has such a great NHL profile where, okay, he might not be the flashiest guy out there, but he's one of those players like Ryan McDonough that becomes indispensable. Yep. I'm a, I'm a big Lane Hudson fan, but I think mm-hmm. just, he's got so much talent. He's just this tall. Yep. It's a hurts him. Um, but yeah, I think he'll be a pretty interesting draft pick. He'll be, to me, one of the steals of the draft, uh, assuming like he is, what, 5'9"? Seeing him in person, I felt like he was even shorter than that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm trying to remember what they listed him as. Well, here at 5'9". At Central. Yeah, well, this, this is 5'9", so yeah. uh, I don't know. It, it just seems like he's pretty short, but this is a guy that's like, you watch him play, the way he moves the puck, the way he's like, Adam Fox. He's dynamic. So, yep. not, not, not Adam Fox's size, but I'd say he's pretty good. So, yeah. uh, All right, that's it for the questions. It's now rapid fire time. All right, rapid fire. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 representing no chaos. Shane Wright goes number 1 to Montreal. Slavkovsky goes 2 to New Jersey, etc. And 10 being maximum chaos, things we haven't even thought of happening, whether it's picks or trades. What do you anticipate the level of chaos being in Montreal this week? I'm going to go with four, but I think it's going to be, I think it's like right one, uh, Slavkowski two. But I, I, to me, I feel like we're going to get a total wild card, like third. Like, yep. maybe he's like, yeah, let's go Brad Lambert. Why not? Like, I, I, I'm, I know, I'm just feeling like it's going to get a little wonky. Okay. It tends to, like the third picks where things get interesting. Here. Gotcha. Like it could be Cutter Gauthier. Yeah. I I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm I, I got a gut feeling we're going to see a team like, fourth did like ninth make a trade but that's just a prediction off of nothing all right i feel i'm gonna give it an eight i think there's gonna be a lot of chaos i can't see it uh like i'm i'm anticipating like high picks being traded maybe we see like malkin get moved or something like that like it's just a feeling i don't i don't have any insider info but it feels like this could be a chaotic weekend and the crowd will love it oh yeah let's see like letang and malkin trade happy yeah, I feel like Malkin's name is always thrown around in trade rumors at uh, draft time because, like, I remember I saw a post that I posted on Facebook and, like, I want to say it's 2011. It's like, oh, what if Malkin gets traded today and he get traded? <laughs> Never did. Yeah. Okay. Next question. Uh, 
So in Stranger Things, uh, Eddie plays Master of Puppets. It's now the number one song on Billboard's rock charts. Oh, that's that's cool. Yeah, that's yes. cool. Give me your top three Metallica songs of all time. Okay, well, uh, Sad But True is, for me, always going to be number one. Nice. Uh, Enter Sandman, uh, number two. Mm. And then I'm going to go with Purify off of St. Anger. I really like that song. We were talking about this before. I'm a big St. Anger fan. I know mm. I'm probably the only one, but I just like how different it was. Those are That's what I would say, those three. Although... Um, oh, I bet you if I re-listened to Death Magnetic, that would completely change. But anyway, gotcha. Okay, I'm going for Whom the Bell Tolls number one. Okay, I'm going Fight Fire with Fire number two. Good one. And I'm going Blackened number three. Okay, another good one. Yes, Devil's Dance is another really good one. I love that one. I think we mentioned that one on a podcast. Something about bass lines because that one had a really cool bass line oh. or bass tone. Something we mentioned it before. Gotcha, but. gotcha. Okay. Uh, sticking with music, name a band or artist that you found out about through your significant other that oh. you now like? Does Miley Cyrus count? Yeah, I guess, yeah. Miley Cyrus, yeah. Good, sure. I've, I've, I've really appreciated how good of a singer Miley Cyrus was, and, and to a point, maybe even Halsey, but mostly Miley Cyrus. Mm. I'll say that. Especially Miley Cyrus's Metallica stuff she did was really cool last year. Nice, nice. Uh, my wife introduced me to Ladytron, and... Uh, I think I've seen them in concert like three times now and they put on a great live show and they have great hooks, big time synth. Uh, so yeah, I'm really into Lady Tron now. Thanks to my wife. Uh, next question. question. Why thank you. Next question. Who does Claude Giroux play for next season? Oh. I'm really feeling like if they can make the cap space work, he's going to go to contender. I'm thinking... Um, I'm, the two teams that came into my head immediately were New York Rangers and Nashville Predators. Oh. Predators, because I feel like he's the piece that could really help this team, like really move forward. Mm-hmm. But of course, the Forsberg situation is interesting. Yeah. And then the Rangers, it's like I made the bold prediction for a future hockey news issue that I think the Rangers might be my cut pick for next year. You know what? I mean, I could feel that cut pick. Yeah. I, I this this is without actually going and verifying the cap space right now. I'm both of sure, places, sure, but, yeah. I mean, they got some work to do, but they've got some good pieces, yeah. I'm going to say he gives it one more kick at the can with the Florida Panthers and then signs in Ottawa. Okay. So one more season with Florida, see if they can run it back, and then Ottawa after that. Do you see him maybe finishing his career in Philadelphia? I know that's something a lot of fans have been asking. Like, is this something that could happen again? Not sure. If he doesn't win, if he wins the cup, do you think he goes back? I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah. Because he's a fan favorite there. He, he is a fan favorite, but I'm not sure if he left on terms that he liked. Okay. Fair. So, he, well, I don't know. They, they celebrated know. him like literally like oh, the sure. day before the trade. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. And uh, final question. Uh, speaking of Stranger Things, I know you don't watch it, but uh, what's a TV show that you feel speaks like directly to you? Like, you just sort of get it. Because the thing with Stranger Things, obviously, is there's a lot of 80s nostalgia and a lot of people, like, huh. really sort of, like, be like, yeah, that's for me. So what what's a TV show that does that for you? That's a really tough question. Um, what's your pick? My pick is Portlandia. When I watch Portlandia, like, a lot of those sketches, I'm like, yeah, I've been that guy. Like, just naming off people I know or, like, things I've read. 
I don't know if I have a good answer for that. Like, Steven can't be pinned down by pop culture. It's like, let's go. I don't watch a ton of TV stuff, but it's like, I almost think I could think of movies first. It'd be okay, like, go movie. School of Rock. Like, that's something like that. I love that movie. But nice. like, I, there's like, I want to be like, at one point I thought, would it be cool to be a music teacher? And then, and then you look at the page and like, no, no, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. But uh, oh, I don't know. That's for TV show. I don't know. Like, well, you can go movie. That's yeah, fine. I'm gonna go with that. Um, yeah, no, I have to go with that. Nice. Okay. All right. But there is a TV show for for School of Rock. There. At least recently. All right. Cool. That is the end of Rapid Fire. Thank you for playing. There was a there was a, a movie series my brother and I used to really love watching, and it's super obscure, but it's called Accelerators. And uh, if anyone watching or listening to this even knows what that is, thank you. It was a Hot Wheels thing that they did back in the two thousands, uh-huh. and. It actually, it's funny how a show designed for kids, it was designed for kids, but there was robots literally ripping people apart and Whoa. like like literally like death uh-huh. in a kid show. Well, I'm surprised it was on like YTV at the time, <laughs> but it was like, it, it was cool because these guys were trying, the premise is stupid. It's a bunch of people trying to race to beat robots to get this powerful thing. They didn't even know what it was. Gotcha. And the show ended like with one episode basically to go. So we never got the ending of it. Wow. But um, it actually taught me so much about how to drive a car, like un- understand how like how a hydroplaning works yeah. when I was like seven or eight. Okay. And it's like, it actually was really cool. And um, it was very educational for a show about like fighting robots with cars. But, gotcha. Anyways, that's it for the Hockey News Podcast featuring lots of TV stuff at the end uh we're gonna be at the draft we're gonna have a lot of draft content we'll have some podcasts from the draft uh it's gonna be a lot of equipment to bring over and i'm looking forward to it so uh maybe we'll see some of you guys there maybe not but uh thanks for watching listening and we'll see you again soon